And Jess thought it might be a good idea for me to give a little bit of background about how we kind of got to this weekend. Um, and about two years ago, my sister called me and she said, hey, they're having this thing at my church. Would you want to come? And it's about kind of keeping your family safe. And I went and it was a Lovern's and um, it was pretty much like this, but a lot of updated information, obviously, since then. And um, I remember going home and talking to Ashley and needing to like process all of this information that I had just received. And one of the things that came to my mind was I really want my church family to hear all of this and to have all this information. And so um, kind of fast forward about a year, um, Jess asked a few of us to help on the, um, I never know what we call it, the abuse prevention committee, um, where we, uh, she asked the grace ministry to come. And out of that, we started um, working on a, an abuse prevention policy. And so um, as part of that, we really you know, started talking about how can we support families. Um, you know, we've done this to try to keep our kids safe in church, but how can we take that a step further and try to support families um, to keep their own homes safe? And so one of the things that came out of that brainstorming was um, asking you guys to come. And so um, I guess just to share, my fear style is hypervigilance. And I, I go there, like, I, I mean... I mean, Ashley can tell you, I would love to just move to an island and not have any internet access. And um, and so, you know, the thought of kind of doing this alone and navigating it alone is really scary, but we're not alone. You know, we have our church family, and hopefully, like you guys said about the conversation is not a one-and-done with our kids about sexuality. Hopefully, this will not be a one-and-done. Hopefully, you're helping us to start a conversation that we can then build on and and help each other as we kind of navigate these scary waters. So we appreciate your ministry. Um, we It's so important, and I'm so thankful we have you guys in Alabama, and we're looking forward to hearing about the tools that we can use to, to, to do all this. So thank you. We are, we are super excited to be back this morning. And, and I think, again, just reiterating, like, here's your rep, you've got a reference point today. I love how this church is so intentional and you've got an abuse prevention plan that y'all are putting or policies that you're putting in place. And, and you've got this. So that's that reminder is that I'm not alone. I've got other parents now that I can see that are at this conference this weekend. But also now I, I know that my church is coming alongside me. And there's just something about knowing that we're not alone. Um, and we know that, you know, conceptually and we know God is with us. But when we can have tangible people to walk with us and we can now come back and say, okay, when Trey said this the other day, I've been thinking about this, and you can actually process some of these conversations, you know, with one another. To me, as a parent, it just helps me. There's something about, I'm a, I'm a huge, like, team person. I love collaboration. I love to process. I love to not feel like I'm alone. And so this, this can be kind of that think tank, too, moving forward, where y'all can just come back time and time again and pray and what about this? Because I would say that as we are raising our kids, I probably have four or five, six girlfriends and a number of families that I felt like I could always kind of go to. We had each other's backs. You know, we were kind of like, well, here's the latest app. What do you think about this? And it, I just never, ever felt alone, which I think is a huge part of this process. You've got each other. You've got the Lord. But um, 
I mean, each other in marriage, but really you, using your community to come alongside you through this. Well, just to reiterate where we were last night, um, we talked about the landscape. We obviously and then took some time talking about our, our Christ-centered uh, gospel response uh, to what's coming, um, but also just some parameters. Um, we talked about there's no way that we can do a deep dive in all technology. Um, even today with all the practical tools, there's a lot of other great tools. We won't be able to cover all of them. Uh, but it is a good a good starting point. But the main thing, if there's one takeaway after the two days that we've been together, that you we hope that you take away, is that as a parent, I'm the constant in my children's life. Technology will continue to evolve and change. I'm not going to change. I'm going to be there consistently, and it's our job as we steward the hearts of our children to protect and to be educated and to engage. And that's, that's the big thing, uh, because when it comes to technology, it's like the one area where often our children know more than we do about something. Now, yours are all younger, so maybe that's not quite the phase that you're in yet. You might be a few steps ahead of them right now. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's, it's not uncommon for, for kids to know more about technology. And so what most, or I won't say most, what a lot of parents do is because maybe they never even articulate that. The reason so many parents are afraid to engage when it comes to technology is because it's that one area where they're going to, their fear that their kids are going to roll their eyes or they're going to snicker because, you know, what information we're bringing them is, is in their minds kind of outdated. Um, so by having a community, and, and again, as we form the My Grace, excuse me, My Secure Family portal, is a place not only to get reiterated on this information, but also to say, okay, what is the latest app? And have the latest information for that, but also collaborate with other like-minded parents that are doing this. You know, how, how great, and not just have community with people who have kids that are your kid's age, but what about having maybe some parents that are older that you can, that know have come through these phases that you can say, hey, so what did you do this? And, and we got some great questions we're going to get to about spend the night. You know, that's a, that's a big thing. And how do we put parameters around that? Um, one of the things we're going to put in the portal too is kind of guidelines for our home. You know, just having some written standards. You know, this is the technology guidelines for our home because a lot of us never have even thought about putting that in writing. Yeah. And something that is so impactful in a positive and maybe a negative way, we just kind of, it's coming into our house, but yet there's really no thought as to how we're regulating this, how we're um, putting boundaries around this, or what have you. So um, we're going to talk a lot about practical tools today, but one of the things that... Um, we, t- we kind of touched on last night is the conversation. And so I wanted to kind of start there. I want to put the number up first because we will have more time today for Q&A. And so I want to remind you of the number, uh, 205-910-8973. Uh, in a group this size, you may feel comfortable just raising your hand. But if you don't, you know, just know that, um, that you can text the questions in as well. So... When it comes to the conversation, you know, we talked last night how it's not the talk. And usually, uh, especially in Christian circles, when we talk about sex and sexuality, it is the, around the talk. And have you had the talk? And, and what does the talk look like? And what age and all that? And so when we introduce this concept of the conversation, this is a conversation that needs to start early. And so some of you may still be thinking, okay, my children are still elementary age And so I'm taking notes for when they get into middle school. Well, I want to get you to step back a little bit because a lot of what we're talking about 
is it really needs to start, as Melody mentioned last night, sometimes as, as young as three years old. You know, as their bodies are, you know, as they're exploring body parts and all those, those are, those are still opportunities that we begin to engage this conversation that they are a sexual being and beginning to help them understand that, help them understand, you know, they have siblings, all of that conversation. That, we're certainly not talking about birds and the bees at that point. But that does form the their understanding of sex and sexuality, their own uh, sexuality as well. So, so even though you may have younger children, there's still a lot of things that um, you can begin to do with your younger child that just normalizes this this area. And I think that's the big thing that often in the church, this is this big taboo thing, and we're so afraid of what might happen that often we don't do anything. And it gets back to that fear. What if I bring about a curiosity by talking about these things prematurely and now a curiosity wouldn't have been there, now is there and I've kind of created this. I don't want that to happen. And so then we kind of wait, we wait, we wait, we wait. And it's often too late. So the conversation will have some intentionality. There may be some milestones along the way where, you know, you do have, you know, dads, you take your sons, you know, away and maybe go through some material or, you know, begin to talk about certain things. Uh, moms doing the same with their daughters. But a lot of this conversation is, is going to be coming at you when you're not prepared. It's, but it's seizing the moment. It may be um, a scenario like you've just picked up carpool at soccer practice. And you've got maybe two of your children, and, and, and there's children from other families in the, in the uh, SUV with you. And the question comes from the back, you know, what is so-and-so, whatever that might be. And it is it's an opportunity uh, to either shut it down, and that's, that's often what we want to do, especially if there's children that belong to other parents in the car. You know, we just want to quickly shut it down. And often, I just want to speak to that fear because that, that need to shut it down, more often than not, will usually relate, go to a shaming place. And, and the question that came just out of innocence and curiosity, or maybe they're kind of snickering, maybe they've heard something and now you just overhear uh, some snickering back and forth. Just back to that don't freak out because if we just kind of come down with the iron fist and, and then just kind of shame that, that away, again, the questions don't go away. If anything, we're now evoking more curiosity about this. It becomes more taboo and now secrets begin to, to form. And that's the big thing we want to avoid is the secrets. Uh, the men that I work with in our recovery program, um, that's, we talk all the time, it's the secrets that make us sick. It's like, that, that's what becomes the cancer, uh, the shame around that, that many of these men have carried with them their whole lives. And many of their stories, we do a four-day intensive, and I hear the stories of these men that for the first time, they're 45, 50 years old, for the first time in their life, they've talked about abuse. They've talked about things that happen when they're a kid, but as, in their case, a man, they just don't feel like they have permission to talk about it. So if we as parents can begin to recognize that and begin to create a safe place where nothing is off limits for our, for our kids to come to us with. And in that desire to shut down the question, we realize, and in that moment, just taking a deep breath, everything in me just wants to shut it down. I'm a little bit embarrassed, especially because so-and-so's children are here with us. You know, but just take a deep breath and begin. And, and one of the things that I would encourage you to do is to, if it is a question or if it's a curiosity, is lead with a question. Well, what do you think that is? 
Or where did you hear that? Try to provide some, just do some, a little bit of uh, detective work to find out the context, you know, either where they heard it or, you know, what they're asking from. So we were doing this um, at Mountain Brook Community Church. I guess it's been a couple years ago now. We did about, uh, we did two sessions during the summer. And we did it over four weeks. And so we kind of broke the material down over four weeks in a Sunday school class. And so the second week, I believe, is when we were covering the conversation. And I talked about leading with curiosity and what, what, what have you. Well, the next week, one of the couples said, yeah, we had a lot of friends over and we were playing cards. And it was a lot of church friends and what have you. And um, one of the children, or actually it was the child of the house that was hosting this particular get-together, came up and it was a very... Um, could have been embarrassed. I forget exactly what. Oh, it was. Um, what's a threesome that came up at the the gathering of church friends? And they had remembered to lead with curiosity, not just shut it down or whatever, you know, because that would be one that would. Oh my gosh, where did they hear this? And we've got now we've got church friends around. You know, what are they going to think? And you know, we just want to shut it down. And so they led with the question. It turns out in their probing, the question was related to tennis. They had seen something on tennis, and it was, you know, it had nothing to do with sex and sexuality. So imagine if they had tried to give an age-appropriate response that was related to what they thought the question was. They would have become, so just one of the things as you, what, however old your your kids are, especially when they're younger, is just begin to ask questions, and then once you kind of feel like you've got the context. Uh, then you can provide an age-appropriate answer uh, to that. But here's the thing. If you put off your child, and sometimes it will be appropriate. Sometimes you know they're about to get out for soccer practice, and there's just not the time to properly deal with the question. And so those are going to happen. But don't shut it down. If, if Say, sweetheart, that is a really good question, and I'm so glad that you, that you brought that question to dad or brought that question to mom. Um, we want to address that. But right now, you're about to go to soccer practice, whatever. Let, let's do this when we are putting you to bed tonight. Let's, let's, is, would it be okay if we, if we bring that up maybe at bedtime when we got a little more time? Because that's a very important question. So you're validating the importance of it. But you're not necessarily, and you're, you're saying we're going we're gonna to take care of this. It's not going to be now, but it's going to be like, and maybe even if you had the time in that moment, you may still want to use that tactic just so that you have some time to gather yourself, maybe get with your spouse. And so these are not things that you just want to wing off the cuff, right? Because usually if we just try to just off the cuff do these things, you know, our natural intent's probably just, to, we just need to make this go away as quickly as possible. That, that's where we can possibly err on. And so this gives us a time to take a breath, you know, maybe deal, you know, pray, pray about it. You know, even, even sometimes for the discernment, what would be an age-appropriate answer for this question for my, for my child at this point? Well, I think that reminder, too, that we, when we talked last night, we talked about how when we, when we are in denial or when it appears like we're maybe being passive, the message that we get, give to our kids is that we don't care. So leaning in with curiosity allows us, one, to um, collect our thoughts, because <laughs> many times we will be freaking out inside. You know, I, I can think of many times um, after school when the kids were home and I was cooking in the kitchen and they would ask things. You know, it was an opportunity for me to ask questions so I could compose myself and not react. But like Trace said, when we can give our kids, maybe in that moment we're not doing that, but we go back to that 
make sure that you're consistent to do that. If you have to set an alarm that night um, and, and follow back up with that conversation, because what we don't want um, to happen is our kids begin to go, why aren't mom and dad answering those questions? And why aren't we? We want to be incredibly intentional with our kids about this. And what we found, again, one of the great things about y'all being parents of young kids is that we can start early and there's not this angst and fear and, and all that when there's this ongoing dialogue because they feel completely free to come to you with anything they hear and any questions that they have or those types of things and, and you're more comfortable because it is ongoing. It's a lot more uncomfortable if you just do something one and done. And, and hope that it never comes back up again. But if there is this ongoing dialogue, we really want to create a safety for our kids that we are safe and they can come to us and, and share anything with them. But we also want to create a grace-based environment to where we know they're going to mess up. We want them desperate for a savior. Um, Trey mentioned it last night that we want to be able to be imperfect in front of our kids and show them what that looks like, be able to um, repent well, show them what that looks like. But this ongoing dialogue of just really modeling a lot of this behavior, but also being able to engage them and come back on and on again, I think will, will, will be what helps create that safety and that grace environment for your kids. And a lot of the tools that we are going to be going into is going to give you kind of a blueprint mm-hmm. to do this. You're not just saying, taking these principles and now you're kind of executing on your own with a blank sheet of paper. They're going to have, you know, read-along books. We're going to be talking about some of those that are age-appropriate read-along uh, things that you can begin to now engage. Uh, some are, you know, just, okay, read this as parents and now, you know, knowing your child, how do you then implement this? But the main thing is this would be a question for you. What does it look like to create safety in our home where anything that our children want to talk about is okay? And, and being, what does it look like to be a safe parent that I'm not going to freak out if there are certain topics that are brought up? Because let's be honest, that's what it is. Certain things, like, like the example I gave last night, you know, your fourth grader comes in, throws in the book bag, Mommy, what's masturbation? The freak out comes from what that's doing for in us, right? And all the things in us that maybe that's stirring up. And sometimes it may just be just the, the idea of our innocent child with certain words and certain terms coming out of their mouth that may create the angst. But as much as possible to take that deep breath and not allow that angst to come through because as much as we can normalize the conversation... Now, again, that can be scary for some people because like, wait, if I normalize it, that means it's okay. You know, and all that the world is saying about sex and sexuality is okay. And what if my children, my children just kind of lose all boundaries as it relates to, to sex and sexuality? That's the fear. And so we wind up doing nothing. But what, what research is showing is the more we uh, engage the dialogue, it just becomes a normal conversation. It's just, just like when we're training them you know, how to ride a bike or we're training them you know, just uh, proper hygiene or, or whatever else. It's just another thing that in their growth and development that we're teaching them. And, and in the church so often, unfortunately, 
It just hasn't been the case uh, for the most part for most of us. Most of us didn't grow up in a home where that was normalized. And so naturally we carry some of our own stuff around that and there's this big question mark. Well, how do we do it? I don't know. My parents didn't model it for me. It was never really talked about. So we're kind of you know, winging it on our own. And, that's, and that may be where you, know, you guys come together. Maybe there's a Sunday school class that that's some things that, hey, what if we take some of the, these, these tools and how do we now begin to implement you know, that? Not to put a formula around it because it's all, all of this and the good part of this, it does just keep us desperate for a Savior, right? And on a daily basis where we're constantly, Lord, it, it is a scary proposition. It was already scary. Now I know all these stats and everything that's coming and, and my kids are young and maybe I can really protect them before they get to middle school and all those thoughts come and we just want to want to protect but yet knowing that nothing has escaped our Father's notice. He's writing their story. He is good and He's right there with you uh, in this. So having the conversation, normalizing the conversation, vitally important because I don't care how good these tools are. If there's still this stigma around these conversations and, and you're not comfortable uh, with that, it's going to come through. Your, any hang-ups that you have about sex and sexuality is going to come through to your children. Okay? So, well, and I was just going to say, we're going to try to bring in as many examples um, of success and failures that we've had over the years. But, um, you know, y'all being young parents, and we'll go dive into this a little bit more when we talk about... Um, some of the books like God made all of me, but I'm just thinking, um, you know, having young kids, some of the things that y'all can begin talking about right now is just, you know, that they're loved, that they're beautiful. You can bring in scriptures around that, that they're worthy of love and belonging. Um, you know, like, like for instance, we had a lady at one of the, the churches that we did my secure family and she had like four boys and she was like, what do I do? And I think they were like fifth grade and under. And they were just wild and carefree. And she's like, they love to jump on the bed naked and watch it, you know, <laughs> you know, do its thing and all that. And she's like, should I be worried about that? I was like, no, like they are celebrating their bodies. You know, there's no shame. It's totally carefree. And so being able to bring in those types of things, like we have girls and boys. So I remember, you know, super, super young when they kind of began to, to notice that they weren't like the other, you know, and then we had the boys bathe and the girls bathe, but just little things like that. Like, why is he, why is his like this and mine is like this? You know, those are things, again, when we have these conversations really, really early, there's not this, oh my gosh, like, what do I say? I mean, it's, it's natural. Just like Trey said, as we're teaching them about hygiene and we're teaching them how to ride bikes and we're teaching them about their bodies and how beautiful they are. One of the things that we talk about when we um, even speak to like youth groups and, and college campuses, we say, you know, sex is good and it's powerful and it's actually an act of worship that we get to experience with a father within the context of, of um, a covenant relationship. None of that is bad, right? So we're, we're, we're beginning to implement this, it's good and the father is good and you're, you're loved and your body is beautiful and it's a temple. And so then when we start these conversations of, and that's why there's parameters around it, and then it makes sense. Oh, okay, like that's why I hold mommy's hand before I cross the street because it could be dangerous for me. Again, that's not bad. So we're kind of sh- shifting this conversation to maybe what we heard growing up of, is, is it shame? I remember, and I'll, I'll be honest, we may cut some of this out of the, the tape, but I remember my father saying, I was one of three girls, is, you know, if any of my girls get pregnant, you'll be out on the streets. And so, again, I had a heart for the Lord, 
but I had a healthy fear of my father. And so as we shepherd the hearts of our kids, I don't want to parent my kids with shame and with fear. Now, I do want to, um, I do want to be able to have conversations about danger. Um, I do think there's opportunities as we see in um, the industry and on social media and that we can use examples. And these are some things that have happened and this is unfortunate, but we don't want to like condone and judge and fear and shame because I just don't feel like our kids get to, to see that God did create, you know, us in his own image. And, and just, again, just having those healthier, more positive conversations where they then can take some ownership in this um, in the process as well. Yeah, so they're hearing, I mean, even at young ages, I mean, uh, if you're Super Bowl ads, I mean, it just ads in general. And, and, and just a thing about as part of this conversation, you know, a lot of times it may just be watching a sitcom as a family. And there may be something inappropriate that's on the sitcom. It may be not showing things, but it may be in, uh, insinuating that uh, people who are not married, you know, are spend the night together. And one of the things that, that we encourage is instead of oh, shield your eyes and all this you know, kind of stuff, not that some of that may be appropriate, but to also maybe just press pause and then just have a dialogue. What is inappropriate about this? You know, and using examples that the world and culture bring as teaching moments for our children. Because, you see, we bring a Christ-centered worldview, a biblical worldview. Right, And if we're not proactively instructing our children with that, they're not going to pick that up by accident. They're certainly not going to get it from culture. Culture has a very, very different worldview. And so part of our parenting is making sure that we are discipling them and, and making sure they do... Um, get this this biblical worldview and so there's opportunity sometimes when we see what is inaccurate you know not just you know here's the bible story so based on this bible story what what would be inappropriate why is that inappropriate you know and then it's an opportunity you know why is that not the best why did god design it this way so then now you're having having um great conversations you know maybe around that's the the resource here the first one we're going to talk about this is um, put together by our friends Luke and Tricia Gilkerson. Now, Luke used to be with Covenant Eyes uh, for many, many years. That's where I first met Luke. He was uh, one of the main content uh, creators with Covenant Eyes. Are we blocking the screen? Sorry. Um, I'm move. Let's see. What if we moved over here? Would that be easier for everybody to see? Um, so this is, uh, the great thing about the resources that the Gilkersons have is um, they take Scripture. Here's the thing about Scripture, guys. Everything you can imagine. I mean, if they made a movie out of Scripture and it was literal to the text, it would be an X-rated film. <laughs> right? I mean, you've got everything. Incest, there's there's rape. There, I mean, everything you can imagine is is there. And God didn't... He didn't sugarcoat all that. He didn't pretend that the world is different than it is. So they actually use Scripture to teach about um, biblical sexuality, sex and sexuality. Okay? So this is, um, look at the age. This is 6 to 10 years old. Anybody have 6-year-olds? You know, 6 to 10 in that range? Okay, so that would, be, that would fit. So this is a great, uh, it's a series of seven studies that helps parents talk meaning, meaningfully with children about sexuality. Written for parents to read with children. So this is a read-along study with your child. 
um, between that age, and some of you may have a little bit outside that window, I would say still you could make it age appropriate, even if your child is, is a little bit older than that. Supplies children with foundational truths about sexuality at a level that they can understand. And, and I would encourage you too, they have a blog called Intoxicated on Life. And uh, they have great resources as it relates to this. They're, they're a whole homeschooling family, so if you're homeschooling as well, so there's some great homeschooling resources. But we've also had them on our podcast, and a lot of these authors that we'll be talking about, let's see, where are the Gilkersons? There it is, uh, 73, episode 73. So everybody have a sheet that we're going to be going through these practical tools. Now the thing about our podcast, every episode is not about parenting. And it's not about digital safety because we do recovery and restoration. We talk a lot about grace. But what we've done is pulled out a lot of the episodes that are specific to this topic. And we've uh, provided them there uh, there on the list. So great resource. There's a series of these. Now, let me say this is called the talk, but Luke believes in the conversation. All right. Uh, I kind of joke with him about that. Wait, we're trying to get out of this paradigm of just the talk, this one and done. And yet... But so he he does um, believe in the ongoing conversation he's de- he's as well. He's debunking the talk. Yeah. And and at the top of this, if you go to uh, mysecurefamily.com forward slash tools, every single one of these resources are going to be on there. Literally, you can click it and it'll take you to the to the website. Well, so you don't have to. Well, I checked memorize. that this morning. There was something going on with that domain. It's I think back up. So if you're having trouble with it, it will be back up. So there was something yeah. this morning going on with that. We but, wanted y'all to be able to have one spot where you could go and you could click on it and it take you where it needs to go. So Cheryl, make sure that that's working. This is another book by the Gilkersons in that same series called Changes, a series of seven studies that helps parents talk meaningfully with children about the mental, emotional, and physical changes puberty brings. Guys, this is a biggie. Mm-hmm. I mean, middle school is horrendous because you've got bodies changing you've got peer pressure you've got you know do they like me and 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 there the insecurities and unfortunately so many times parents are not actively engaged in that process you know we're busy with work we're busy with other uh kids who are maybe going through different things we've got all kind of sports stuff and it's just all we can do just to get people you know in our home to their activities but to be mindful, and the great thing about you guys as a as a, a group is all of yours, it looks like, are now pre-middle school, so you can actually have a plan, you know, as their bodies are changing, you know, girls and boys. Written for parents to read with children ages 8 to 12. Anybody have an 8-year-old? Okay. To anybody, anybody over 12? Anybody got a, someone over 12? So everybody's 12, 11 and under? Okay, so that gives us the age range. So this is still right in that place where you guys are, you know, to be prepared. And again, these are read-along studies, and it's bringing Scripture uh, into this as well as we talk about uh, their changing bodies. Supplies children with a Bible-based understanding of puberty and a language that they can understand. So we love the Gilkersons. You know, there's a third one now in this series. What is relationship. Relationships. It's for older, right? So there's another third one. So this is kind of walking with you maybe as, as your children grow and develop so another resource what do we have educate empower kids that's an organization uh, uh, dina alexander has been on our podcast what episode number is that it's number 84 
episode 84, uh, we interviewed um, the executive director of this particular organization. Uh, we've met Dina at a number of conferences where we've been exhibiting together. Uh, but this is, uh, there's three in this series, how to talk to your kids about pornography, 30 days of sex talks, and 30 days to a stronger child. And you can go, the website is educateempowerkids.org. Uh, uh, and what I like about this, this is not necessarily biblically based. This is just more practical. So I love how some of these resources, they really are hand in hand. But this is like some of the questions that you may have or, or that may you may not even have, but then you read this and you want to have. It, it talks about like defining pornography. It, it says like, where do I start? And so it gives you kind of a place to start. But really be able to look at some of these things and, and go in and engage some conversations with your kids. And what we have found, you know, especially in, in middle school, I remember our kids were at Westminster Classical <clears throat> all the way. Well, I moved them all. I moved them in sixth and seventh and ninth and tenth. And so, you know, we went from this private school feeling very much kind of like a bubble. You know, they could go anywhere they wanted. They could spend the night where they wanted. And then it was like public school. And so it really changed. And I had to be really, really intentional. But, I mean, our kids were coming home with lots and lots of questions. Um, like I remember, and I'm just going to be real here, but I remember my seventh grade boy um, coming home and saying, Mommy, what is it when you finger... I, the guys at school were talking about fingering girls. What does that mean? And I just remember going, I think I'm going to pull them out and have a school him. You know, but just like that was one of those conversations that, like Trey said, like, how are you going to explain that? And I just remember lots of conversations. He came home and he's like, I don't understand what Catholicism is. Like, that doesn't, you know, because our kids grew up Presbyterian so, and, and Mormons. And so it really gave us some groundwork as we have always desired for our kids to have a Christian worldview and really be able to engage other students that are not just like them. It really created a lot of groundwork for us to be able to shepherd our kids' heart but be able to have ongoing dialogue about lots of different things. And so these books, like I said, will go very well hand-in-hand hand where um, Luke Gilkerson's books are very Christ-centered, very biblical worldview, bringing scriptures in. And then we've got some other like practicals of just, okay, so what do I do here? Um, so like I said, they'll go really hand-in-hand. Hand. And again, as a parent, just knowing that I don't have to figure it out and walk in the dark, this, these, you'll come back to these over and over again. Well, and when Did Melody we, says these are not biblical, Biblically, I forget how to word you. Biblically There's not based. like scripture. Yeah, in it's this. not like yeah. the Gilkerson's. It's actually a Bible study. Uh, these are more practical, you know, tools about pornography, whatever. Our whole thing is, even if it's not, you're bringing the Bible. You're bringing the Christ-centered worldview. So some of these tools that may not be, you know, as spiritual as others, but you're, that's our, our goal is you're bringing that piece. You know, a lot of times you just, you know, I don't need help there. I just need help. You know, what are some of the practical words to say and those kind of things. So all of these though we vetted and, and believe. Uh, what's that? Did we skip this? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. It's coming. Uh, so this is the only book that we had. Uh, this is not a read-along. This is, we call it the Chicken Turkey Sex Book. Uh, the, a Chicken's Guide to Talking Turkey with Your Kids About Sex. Um, so this, again, not a read-along book, but it is for you as a parent. And it's a great one, uh, just as kind of a, 
I guess, a foundational type thing, just to things maybe you haven't thought about. Yeah, and the great news, again, is your kids are young. See, usually when we do this, we've got ages you know, kind of scattered throughout. And so some parents in the audience are like, oh, man, I didn't do that, I didn't do that. The great thing about you guys is most of this, you can now say, okay, we haven't really missed a window at all. We can now really begin to do this intentionally and do it well. So this would be a great one to help you yeah. put some of that together. This book, uh, this book kind of reminds me of like when you got pregnant and you started reading what to expect when you're expecting. This is kind of that kind of book for parents. You know, it's just that ongoing, this is what's happening, this is what's happening. And so this was helpful for me. I wish we had some of these other tools when our, our kids were young because that really made it a lot, it makes it a lot easier. But the chicken turkey sex book is good. I was talking earlier about building that trust relationship, that safe place. It does talk about that. Um, the second part there tells you what to teach but lets you determine when. And that's one thing hopefully you'll pick up. We're not giving you a formula. Every child is a little bit different. Here's here's part of it. If we just said, okay, if you've got an eight-year-old, here's what you need to do. Well, here's the difference there. You know, if an eight-year-old is the eldest, then that may be a whole different situation than if it's an eight-year-old and they've got a 15, 17, and a 19-year-old sibling. Right? Still an eight-year-old, but yet what they're exposed to just in that home might be a little bit different. So there's no way we can say, here's what to do if you have a child this age. But you know your child. And that's what I love about this book. It says, here's the things you need to be teaching, but you know your child and, and when that's appropriate. Now, I will continue to say, though... There's going to be a natural tendency to put off, to put off, to put off. Oh, they're too young, they're too young, they're too young. And I would encourage you to press into that. Because usually there's probably some fear around that. And so it's frankly, I'm fearful. I don't want to do something inappropriate. I don't want to do it wrong. Therefore, we wind up doing nothing. And I would encourage you, if you'll just get in motion with this, you know, dependent on the Spirit, Lord, lead me. I'm terrified, I don't want to mess it up, but Lord, I know I've got to engage them in this. And just allow God to show up and some really, and even some faith builders for you maybe as you're doing this. And, and maybe even places where now as a couple there's deeper level of intimacy as you're both bringing your fears. And maybe even bringing up some things, you know what, I'm in doing, and, and going through this stuff, talking to our children... It's really bringing up some maybe unhealed stuff from my past. Some things that I have maybe locked away from what happened when I was eight years old. You know, that I, I maybe I need to really deal with that. And guys, that's an okay thing. You know, I just encourage you, if that starts bubbling up, don't stuff it back down. Oh, no, that happened. That's, you know, with everything that we've been through, the people we love hanging out with are people in therapy. <laughs> the people we kind of raise an eyebrow with is if they haven't been to therapy. You know, what we used to think, oh, they're in therapy. What's wrong with them? You know, we're all recovering from the fall. And so as God brings up things and he maybe it puts a, a tender place that it's okay to deal with that thing. Because he loves us as we are and he wants to continue uh, to bring about healing. And sometimes these conversations bring about further healing for us as adults as well. All right, so let's get into, we've been talking practical tools. I'm not sure why that slide is, is there. Uh, I guess that was more books and, well, this is book two. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. So we're going to talk about just a couple of books that will help you guys. Again, this is, this is one that you can probably read over and over again. You know, it's not, I would say these books are not like one time read and then we just put it up, but it is one of those books that once you read it with your kids, they can pick it up off the shelf and read it over again. And what I love about this is we've talked about 
I know we keep saying like start early, start early. So we're not necessarily saying the word porn early on, but they're beginning to understand what good pictures and what bad pictures are. And we're all, we can also implement, you know, there are good things online and then there's not good things online. Again, we don't want to say that everything is evil, that there's a lot of good that we can receive. There's a lot of education that we can get online today. You know, we don't have um, encyclopedia um, sitting on the shelf anymore. So we do have options to do that. But anyway, good pictures, bad pictures. What I love about this book uh, it, it introduces what addictions are, and I believe this is—is is it three to eight, Trey? I think it's three to eight. Yeah. Um, but it introduces, and I and I believe she just came out with one that is even younger, like maybe um, two to four or something like that, like even uh, a junior to, to this book. But what I love about this is it talks about um, it talks about what an addiction is. It talks about um, what good pictures are, or bad pictures. But she really brings in two concepts that I think are huge for um, this day and age where it's like, if it feels good, you do it. And that's kind of the message that, that the culture is giving our kids. Even sports, what, what does Nike's just do it? You know. But she talks about the thinking brain and she talks about the feeling brain. And we actually bring in some of these concepts in our recovery communities. Because as we talk about addiction, I, I feel pain, I feel anxiety. What am I going to do? Am I going to go numb out? Am I going to go check out? And so she brings in a little bit of those concepts, but I want to read real quickly um, what the feeling brain and what the thinking brain is, and I may not find this, but basically, basically what the feeling brain does is it tells us when we're cold and hot, it tells us when we're hungry, it tells us when we need something. But what we can begin to teach our kids is our feeling brain or our feelings don't make right and wrong decisions. And that is a huge concept, again, in the, in the culture today, that we can really teach them this early. Our thinking brain is what helps us um, know right from wrong. It's where we can bring in scriptures to back up truths and things like that. So when they can learn this concept early on about what a thinking brain is, my thinking brain helps me solve problems, use self-control, and make smart choices between right and wrong, good and bad. By exercising my thinking brain, I can make it stronger. And so that child that's learning at three and four and five, um, I feel this, but what is my thinking brain? Um, what is my thinking brain telling me? That three-year-old who's making decisions is that that practice and getting stronger when that child is 16 and she's feeling peer pressure, that those same concepts are there. This is what I feel. Everybody's telling me to do it, but what is my thinking brain tells me? So they really begin, again, as we talk about inoculating our kids, not just they feel protected when they're with us. We're giving them the tools to really be able to critically think and really be able to critically process as well. Find the can-do in there while I share this point. Um, like Melody said, that whole concept of thinking brain, feeling brain, that's a big part of what I learned in my own recovery process after our divorce. That's what we're teaching the men and women in our recovery communities, how to really grow up emotionally. Uh, for men, uh, feeling the full range of emotions, where I had spent a whole lifetime stuffing negative emotions. I didn't know what to do with anger. I didn't know what to do with grief. I didn't know what to do with sorrow. I grew up, this, okay, if you're a good Christian, you're supposed to feel happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. And so when I didn't, that's what triggered my shame. Well, there's something wrong with me because I'm feeling this negative emotion. No, So that was all wrapped into my wanting to numb those negative emotions. So... 
what a gift with our children at an early age we begin to help them distinguish between feelings and their cognitive thinking. And that you can validate their feelings, but yet you have to trump those feelings as far as actions with this thinking brain. And that is such a gift. And that's not just in the area of sex and sexuality. That sets them up just to really be mature um, at a much earlier age. Because I've got men in our recovery communities that are basically very immature emotionally. Because they've never really been taught how to deal you know, with emotions. Mm-hmm. So she has the can-do. It's an acronym. Uh, read that real quick. Yeah, C is close my eyes immediately. A is always tell a trusted adult. N is name it when I see it. D is distract myself. And O is order my thinking brain to be the boss. So we, um, we have a friend, mm-hmm. Malia Stevens. I mentioned her last night. And, and Malia, uh, we did this at Sanford. And she sometimes joins us when we do this. It's great because Malia brings the therapeutic uh, side of this. She's at Wellspring Christian Clinic. And, um, and she... Um, I think she's the one to introduce us to Kristen as well. But but anyway, she tells the story of um, one of her clients had a daughter. I think she was six years old. And they'd gone through good pictures, bad pictures. And the N is name it when you see it, right? Name pornography when you see it. So they're in the grocery store a couple of weeks later. And they're going near the checkout line. And she sees all the magazines there that's near the checkout counter. And so in her six-year-old voice, she, I think she may be even in the buggy or something, but name she points at it, Mommy, that's pornography. And many people in the grocery store could hear this six-year-old exclaim that there's pornography at the checkout line. One of the people who heard it was the manager of the grocery store. So today, in that grocery store, those magazines have the black covers over them because this little six-year-old who had gone through good pictures, bad pictures, did what she was taught, and that's to name it when she sees it. And so think about how different that is in in being able, when we talk about inoculating our kids, how different that strategy is than building a bunker and trying to pretend to our children that the world is different than it is. And just trying to shield them from anything instead instead of really equipping them and giving them the tools. Because guess what, parents? We can't be with them 24-7. And so if we've got that helicopter just hover mentality and just want to just shield them and protect them, the fallacy in that mode of parenting is the belief that we can always be there to shield them. Mm-hmm. We can't be with them 24-7. So a big part of what this book and some of these other resources is beginning to equip your child to make the right decisions, to name it when they see it, to understand that this could be harmful and then equip them to make the right decision at that moment, even if you're not there. Well, okay. and, and think about what it does for that little girl, how empowered she feels like, wow, I really can influence my community. I really can influence those around me. It's not just trying to get our kids out unscathed, you know, that ra- they can actually engage and, and, and impact their community. Right. You're talking yeah. about your bodies, though. So that is something that you can be talking about. So that when we do start talking about sex, 
it begins to make sense. Like I remember talking early on about our bodies and, and we brought in the whole, you know, our private parts and different things like that. Well, fifth grade, I was, I was driving on a field trip to American, is it American Village? Um, and my youngest has a best friend and both of the, you know, both of them are the youngest. And so they've got older daughters. Like there's five years between my oldest and my youngest. And I just remember them whispering in the car and it was like, it finally clicked for her why the body part, why the boy body part looks like it does. And the girl part, like she finally figured out that puzzle piece. And I mean, I could see it in her eyes, like her, her girlfriend and, and they're awesome. I mean, so it wasn't like a, it wasn't a bad thing at all, but I just remember her eyes being like this in the car. And I was like, we've got to have another conversation when we get home, you know? And so we were able to just talk about that. And, um, I think there, I think her first response was, ew, that it, there was no loss of innocence around that. There was no, it was like, we were just able to talk about it because we had been talking about it. We hadn't had that sex talk yet, but we, they knew enough about their bodies and that they're beautiful and that boys are made differently than girls and bringing in this good pictures and bad pictures. Again, there's this ongoing dialogue. Let me ask you, I guess yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I totally understand. Yeah. Basic, some of that, because of the pervasive nature of pornography, is, and again, every, every household is slightly different, but I think providing a framework where, again, age appropriately, that we begin to, ha- you know, like she talks about in this book, the attraction center. That there is, because a lot of shame for a lot of kids, uh, and I know just speaking, uh, and this is kind of off topic, but I'm kind of coming back around, but a lot of the men that I deal with who are adults who are abused, a lot of their shame as an adult is around the fact that there was an arousal with the abuse. And so they've carried that because, and the enemy is just relentless with that, that see, it was really something you enjoyed and you wanted, you know, but because, hey, the body just responds, right? Right. And so, and a big piece of this is helping kids understand, understand the arousal part. That's part of that feeling brain, but also that there's a thinking part of this, that that does not define necessarily who they are. And so this is, this is not an easy one, two thing. This is complex and there's, um, so, well, to, to basically answer your question, you can read good pictures, bad pictures, and it bring in these concepts and not having had talked about sex at all. That's how, I mean, these are designated to stand alone. So they're learning thinking brain, feeling brain. They're learning good pictures and bad pictures. And it, and it shows, it, it talks about the good pictures. A good picture is a picture of dad and me, you know, and then it talks about bad pictures. So they're not necessarily having to equate well, we've not talked about sex, but we're talking about good pictures and bad pictures. We're just talking about there are really good images out there, and then there are really bad images out there. And they're able to begin to identify that. But here's, here's an example of what she says about pornography. Um, she says, pornography is harmful pictures of people. This is what you're talking to your child. Um, pornography is harmful pictures of people with little to no clothing on. Looking at it can cause two opposite feelings at the same time. Viewing pornography can be dangerous because it can trick your brain into wanting to see more pictures, which can then turn into an addiction. And, and guys, when we talk about addiction, there, there are, I mean, uh, Malia tells a story of a six-year-old girl that their family has everything locked down who is actually stealing um, smartphones 
um, because everything in her home was locked down, stealing smartphones and looking at pornography on other people's phones that were not locked down. She tells a story of a five-year-old little boy that was actually breaking into the neighbor's home to get on an unprotected computer in the neighbor's house. Okay, so so I, I want to so tell you those... that arousal template that we're talking about. You know, that it impacts the brain. It's not like this kid is waking up one day at five years old saying, I want to look at porn. But they've seen something that's triggered things in the brain that's created arousal, and that's why they're wanting more of that. So part of that, telling that story, is, again, from the age standpoint. So we that's why we need to be having some of these conversations earlier, because if we're just assuming that all this is going to start in middle school... You know, and that was kind of where, and here's the parents, and, the, and those parents too, one of them had kind of this lockdown, we're just going to make sure it's not available at our home, and we'll never really have to address it with our child. Then they found out that in both those cases, the child was going other places to find it. But they had never really engaged the child. So that's why it's got to be both. We've got to do the lockdown and make sure it's not available. But at the same time, also engage our child so that they themselves begin to have an internal filter of knowing uh, what's right and wrong. But, but part of that, too, is say those are becoming more and more normal stories of young, young kids who have been exposed and maybe their parents don't know about it. Um, There's another story that Luke Gilgerson tells that um, parents who kind of waited and they'd waited for their daughter and their whole philosophy was, we'll start having those conversations when they show a curiosity and they start asking questions. All right, that's a typical thing. When, when, we start, when we start seeing there's a curiosity, then we'll start actively engaging this. It sounds reasonable, but here's the problem. So they tell the story of this uh, another six-year-old girl who was at her grandmother's house and found a stash of pornography in the basement when she was six. At nine, something came up with a younger sibling, and they asked her, well, what do you know about this? Oh, I know all about that. When I was six years old, I read all these magazines at at Grandma's house. So in their mind, she had not been asking questions because in her young mind, she thought she knew everything because of what she had been exposed to. Imagine those parents... Horror thinking that, oh, she's just not curious yet, when actuality is she wasn't asking questions because she thought she knew based on what she had seen. And so just, there's, there's, there's not a clean and neat formula, but just if nothing else take away, that we need to be setting these, these conversations. And again, maybe, certainly not explicit birds and the bees, but we can begin to frame it in this concept of one, that God made their bodies. They are sexual beings. And even in an age-appropriate way, talk about what being a sexual being is. That would bring in that there is an arousal template. Um, and, and what happens with a lot of these kids who are prematurely exposed to pornography is that arousal template comes online prematurely. You know, I didn't realize as an 8-year-old when I was exposed to pornography, that was a form of child abuse, uh, sexual abuse. If you had asked me most of my life if I was abused sexually, I would have said no, because nobody physically touched me. But yet, because of that exposure, it did have a ripple effect in the way I processed things or whatever because of that arousal template coming online you know, early. So, so what we're really trying to, to, to help y'all understand is we don't, want, we, don't, we don't want to see parents raising kids today. They're teaching them about hygiene. They're, te- you know, they're, they're 
they're doing they're doing the all the practices of all these other things that are important, but we're omitting this. We've got to bring that in, and it's not it's not reactive anymore. We have to be proactive and bring this in. And as we're talking about hygiene, and as we're talking about safety and stranger danger, and all those types of things, we want to just implement this in as one more of the things that we're bringing in, because we cannot have the mindset of okay when they ask the question, it's time for me because more than likely they, they're going to know a lot more. And what we have found is when we do engage our kids with these conversations, and we'll talk about some of the things that we've had conversations with our kids about sex or sexting and different things like that. Now, if it, if it is brought up at school, you know, because a lot of times in middle school, that's where kids, especially the boys begin to try to say things because it's cool and all that. And they're just really kind of dropping out these lines to, you know, to, for shock and awe many times. But if we've had conversations with our kids and this gets brought up at school, what would, how awesome it would be for your kid to say, like something's brought up and your kid to say, oh yeah, my parents have already told me about that. It shuts the conversation down. And it, it tells your, it reminds your child, my parents are safe. My parents are trustworthy. My parents are engaged and they're telling me about these things. So the, the responsibility is very shared. We want to trust our kids, but we want our kids to trust us because we are caring for them well and protecting them well and bringing these conversations up really, really early. I think yeah. this next book will help, but I want to kind of go yeah. back to that question as well because it's a great question. Uh, and I understand the tension in that. We don't want to have our kids knowing what what um, you know, physical sex, intercourse, all of that is like, because obviously that's not age appropriate. But if we expand, so, so when we think sex, we're just thinking this very narrow uh, thing that obviously is, is very much beyond our proportion with pornography and exploited and all that. But as we begin to expand from this to a broader sexuality conversation, and we, I think what we're trying to get across is we want to normalize sexuality in our home. Because one, they're sexual beings. Mommy and daddy are sexual beings. And so we can talk about our sexuality because that would bring in, you could talk about arousal because probably no matter how old your child is, there's probably been something happened with an arousal. You know, if you've got a little boy and there's an erection, right? And so there's opportunities there to talk about the body's response to touch and arousal and talk about that in this book, Good Pictures, Bad I mean, excuse me, God Made All of Me definitely helps with that. But you can talk about it in that context and normalize that age appropriately without having to have, you know, the ongoing conversation of, and here's why, right? So, so I guess if we've done that well and normalize that whole conversation along, then when it comes to actually having the age-appropriate conversation about the birds and the bees and actual intercourse and where babies come from and all that, it's just a natural outflow of what has already happened. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is, is because the whole sexuality talk is now we think about it just in when we get ready to talk about the birds and the bees. And now, as parents, if we're waiting, let's say, the 12 years old, 13 years old, we're having to cover a lot of ground, and oftentimes they already know because they've heard things and they've kind of already picked up things or they think they know or whatever. So I guess that's the big takeaway is that we're expanding the sexuality conversation in our home that can start early. And, and this, let's get into this book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, because this, I mean, God made all of me. You keep getting in front of the thing. Oh, now you can see it. Um, Yeah, so this is a great book. And again, I believe this is probably around the age of five as well. It may be even younger than that. 
But one of the things that, that I love that this brings in, this brings in a lot of the truths of just about who God, how God made me. God made all things. God made, you know, God, your, your body is beautiful. It talks about your hair and just, you know, everything like that. But what it does begin to implement is um, sexual abuse. And so healthy, you know, healthy touch versus unhealthy touch, safe touch versus not safe touch. And I will just tell you, not that I have hundreds of conversations under my belt, but of the 50 plus women that I have heard stories about sexual abuse and probably Trey as well, it has never been from a stranger. It's either been from a family member or from a friend of a family member. And so again, I know Trey mentions a lot of times, we're not thinking about that guy that's in the trench coat. We're talking about aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents and different things like that. We've got to, we've got, and I know our mindset is, no, that would never happen. But we can't live in a day and age where we say it would never happen because we don't know. Um, I know we've got some friends that that work with Grace, the um, sexual abuse ministry as well, with Tavigian. And she was um, sexually abused multiple times by her sister's husband. And so now you've got this very mucky, icky situation of, I'm going to tell my sister, who's probably going to defend her husband, and how is this all going to happen? You know, or I've got, you know, girls that we have walked with or women that we've walked with who told their moms first time and their moms basically said, let's just not say anything. Well, how, how, how does a child conceptualize, why is my parent not protecting me? Why is my parent not fighting for me? You know, and so we really want to begin having some of these conversations. It really breaks down the difference in secrets and surprises that secrets many, I can't tell you how many times Trey has said secrets is is what kills us, you know. I think that's what we're only sick with our secrets. Yeah. So we want to talk about the difference in having surprises versus secrets. Um, and, and let me just put this because in this book definitely does a great job. If you're struggling with what I was just saying about having this broader talk about sexuality, starting young with our children, when it comes to abuse, that's the reason why. Because if we're secretive and not talking about that and just kind of leaving our kids to figure that out and pretending that doesn't exist, that's the area that historically that predators have been able to get away with. Because our kids are naive, our kids are, you know, and that's what's exploited uh, by a predator. You know, this is our secret. You know, and and then that message, then they don't feel like they can tell anybody or whatever, because it's it's kind of this space, this gray area that, that there's been no conversation. And so, what we're saying is, parents, we've got to step into those places, and and not from birds and bees and procreation, but just helping them understand their own sexuality, the way they were created, and and it really don't have to go necessarily into the why. They were created that way necessarily. Uh, you may age appropriately go into that, but that conversation prevents a lot of this because they now are armed with truth about the way they were created that will help them when maybe someone is trying to exploit them being young and naive. So, so and there's if there's no other reason for you to say, well, I just can't imagine having those kind of conversations. But again, your children are sexual beings. 
And so part of shepherding their hearts is helping them understand the way they were created. And because the more they understand it and the way that, and the reasons they were created that way, now we can begin to help them understand the reasons that healthy parameters and boundaries. Because this book is all about helping our children set boundaries. Mm-hmm. That was something that we did not know how to do. Yeah. You know, one of the things that it talked like in growing up, our parents' generation would think it rude if a parent or excuse me an adult at a family reunion you know wanted them to come sit in their lap and if if the adult said oh come here and sit in my lap and if the child did not oblige and do that then it would be a reflection on our parents generation oh it's making me look bad because my child is not being compliant and how many children were made to do things that maybe internally There was something in their gut saying, that doesn't feel safe, it doesn't feel safe, it doesn't feel safe, but yet mom and dad are making me, you know, do this. And so a big piece of this too is equipping our children, uh, and and that's a huge thing, is making sure they understand how to identify and use their own voice. And be okay articulating, maybe if some little red flag is going off and a siren's going off, to be able to articulate that. And if they say, I don't want to do that, then okay, then shake his hand. And maybe not, you know, get in his lap or whatever. And that's yeah, a that huge gift for our children. clock, that internal alarm, um, th- that's really the crux of this book. It talks about their bodies and how God made all of them, but it really begins to help them understand what that internal clock looks like. So if I don't want to go sit in Uncle Tommy's lap, it could be that I reach my hand out and shake their hands. So we can actually, again, we're empowering our kids to, to be in touch with that so that child has learned these skills so that when they're older and, some, and they meet somebody and there's that internal clock, they've already learned. Why? Because mommy and daddy started this really, really young. And, so, and the difference, a lot of times we'll have parents say... Well, I don't want my child to lose their innocence, okay? There is naivety, which is innocence, and lack of education, which was me growing up. I mean, I was, I was like the child, I mean, the, the, I can't think of the word that I'm thinking of right now, but I would have been the perfect child to be taken away from somebody. I mean, I was just that naive child. I trusted everybody. I mean, if somebody had wagged a piece of candy in front of me, I would have followed them all the way out. I mean, I just... So I was very, very naive, and my parents didn't share a lot of that stranger danger and things like that. So I just was a a perfect child that could have done something like that. We don't want to raise naive children today. So there's innocence with education, and that does they're not going to lose their education from doing that. They're actually gaining some confidence and some security and, and, and knowing that they've got some tools to work with, whereas... There's innocence and naivety, which we're setting them up for for disappointment and and maybe even danger. And so I want to help calm y'all down that there is they're not gonna they're not gonna learn these things and then it's going to send them off on this you know tyrant down the road and 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 all that. So guys, we talked a lot about shame or a little bit last night and talked some today, but when the enemy he is relentless in these areas of secrecy that aren't being talked about. And so think about our children. They're growing up. They are sexual beings. If it's never talked about, they're feeling aroused, but yet that maybe they feel bad because maybe I shouldn't be feeling these things. Uh, and then, But yet they're confused maybe about things, but yet mom and dad are not are not talking about it. And so now I'm really confused. Um, or maybe if, like, one thing that I knew with my parents 
Um, I knew that my parents knew that I'd been exposed to pornography, but it was never talked about. And so part of what that, sent, that message sent to me is, wait, why are they not helping me process this? Why are they not helping me uh, understand what this is? Why, you know, the, the secrets were so confusing around that. And it only added more shame because it, the message of, I just need to figure it out on my own. Uh, Mom and dad aren't safe with this kind of information. Or what's wrong with me? Yeah, what's wrong with me that, you know, maybe I'm just not figuring it out or, or whatever. And so we're, we're giving our children the gift as we begin to help them process this. And we're interacting with this. We're engaging with them. Uh, and it's scary. It's, it, it's so much easier, let's be honest, if we just shut it all down and pretend it's not there. But that's not what we're called to as parents. And then think about it, we have four kids. Every child is a little bit different. It'd be great if we could finally say, okay, finally we've got this one through it, so now we've got the formula, and then our next child responds a little bit differently to things. You know, it's like, oh, it, it really keeps coming back to guys, and there's no way around this, is that I believe that marriage is difficult by design, and I think parenting is even difficult mm-hmm. by design. Because these are things that keep us desperate for a Savior. And it's right there in front of us. And so that's okay. Mm -hmm. He wants to engage with us in that level. And especially in these very, very important topics. Yeah, I was just going to read just a little bit of this. Because I know it's probably not looking at this book. You're like, how in the world am I going to bring all these concepts into my child? So again, this whole thing is being teed up by your body is beautiful and your hair. And God made this and he made your tummy and all your parts and all that kind of stuff. So they get that concept of, okay, I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. And God created me, blah, blah, blah. So then it goes into... Um, Mom said God made every part of your body and every part of your body is good. So it's showing their bodies as well. Some parts of your body are not for sharing, and these are called private parts. You can even talk about, and that's why we cover private parts, even when we're in a bathing suit and things like that. Private parts are parts covered by your underwear or your bathing suit and should be not t- be touched by other people. These include your penis, your vagina, um, your bottom and your breasts. And, and Trey will go into why we talk about anatomical parts in a minute. We don't want to say pee-pee and wee-wee. Um, but then they may have that question. Well, wait, I go to the doctor and he touches my private parts. So then it goes into sometimes you need help going to the bathroom or taking a bath. And that way you can say, and that's why we wipe you and, you know, different things like that. And only mommies and daddies do that, you know. Um, but then it goes into the doctor and why they go to the doctor. Um, and sometimes the doctor checks your body parts to make sure that they're healthy. Parents and doctors use safe and healthy touches to keep kids healthy and strong. So then it begins to go into unhealthy charge. So they also know I'm in charge of my body. Um, you mean even if somebody touches my leg or my back or my face and I don't want them to? And so it goes into this whole process of, yes, you're in charge of your body and you can say no. We had one, we had one girl, I'm not necessarily saying do this, but we had one girl that, um, taught her kids to just do handshakes. So anytime they were uncomfortable with somebody and they didn't want to hug them or anything like that, they would reach out and, and, um, shake their hand. And if, um, that wasn't good enough, she taught them to kick somebody. (laughs) And she said, I just want my girls, you know, she said, all I've got is my girls and I don't want anything to happen to them. So if, if they are, you know, reaching out their hand and somebody's trying to get into their space that when they get ever so close, then I'm just going to teach them to kick, to, to kick. And I was like, okay, well, you know, talk about empowering your kid. But again, like they, y'all can figure out what that looks like. But what we're saying is that Trey and I were those compliant children 
That if our parents said, oh, go hug so-and-so or go sit in so-and-so's lap, we did it. So again, if that family member who they've been made to sit in their lap, let's process this, if they've been made to sit in Uncle Tommy's lap, and now Uncle Tommy might be coming to to, uh, provide unhealthy touch, I've already been made to sit in their lap. Do you see how there's, there's confusing? Um, confusion there, so we just want to take we want to take those things out, and we don't want to we want to hope for the best in everybody, but we also want to plan for for things that that are unfortunate that do happen. But here's the big thing that even what she just said it kind of brings it up is I think as parents we have to continue to repent of this. Our kids make us look good, or our kids make us look bad. That's big, yeah. And often the reason we don't empower our kids with their own voice is because it's easier to have a compliant child because that's easier. But if we're shutting down their heart and they're just compliant, think about this. If as a young child, the kids that you have right now, at some point, if they're just compliant, 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 doing everything that we ask them and we're not teaching them how to have their own voice, then as a teenager, we're expecting them to have their own voice. Right? But if we've taught them basically growing up to be compliant then it's very hard now as a teenager to begin to set the boundaries that they need. Let's say they're in the back seat of a car or not even getting into that situation and those kind of things because, again, at some point along the way, we're just expecting that they're going to pick up this, this inner voice. How much better to teach them young how to validate you as a parent, validating their voice. And that's, and that's not really that hard to do as a parent because you think, wait, if I'm validating their voice and they're, it's kind of, I'm going to have an uncontrolled, you know, out of control kid that thinks they're running the household. No, I think you understand what we're talking about. That they, being able to help them as a young child to get in touch with that inner angst that maybe they're feeling, something's not quite right, and how empowering if as parents we speak into that. We're discerning of that and giving them the opportunity to say, you know what, if you don't feel comfortable I want you to know that's okay. Let's talk about maybe why you're not uncomfortable. But we've got to die to this whole idea that it's going to make us look bad at the family reunion if our kids are the only kids not sitting in Uncle so-and-so's lap. I hope there's not Tommy in here. I always say Uncle Tommy. I'm sorry. (laughs) And I have an Uncle Tommy, and I wonder what she's got against No, 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 no. (laughs) I have to choose a name. All right, let's get into it. Does that kind of help with what what we're... talking about? Okay. All right. So Covenant Eyes, uh, this is a a resource that's been around for for years. Uh, They have basically two different parts of this. They have a filtering uh, piece and also an accountability piece. Uh, The accountability piece means that you can go wherever on the internet and there's going to be accountability partners that know where you've gone. Now that works well, maybe for adults as a deterrent. For going to some of those places because you know, it's kind of like that. Well, I can do that, but all these people are going to know because they're my accountability partners, right? So not so good as a parent. We want to do more of the filtering piece, and it does a good job of that. Um, you get a report of the websites your kids visit, search terms they use, and the YouTube videos they watch. Follows your family on all the computers, smartphones, and tablets. They do just had an update that um, that really does a good job with um, smartphones, a better job with smartphones now uh, as well. Uh, assigns every website an age-based rating like T for Teen and M for Mature. So wanted to mention Covenant Eyes. Um, probably since we found out about this, this is the one that we highly recommend. 
when it comes to filtering. How many of you heard of Circle? All right. Um, on our list of podcasts, we actually interviewed Jelani Memory, one of the three founders of Circle. Uh, this is an incredible tool, um, one that we wish had been out for a, for a while. Uh, but Circle does some pretty amazing things. It's one, first of all, it's very easy to set up. Now, it is a cube. I'm not sure why it's called Circle and it's a cube, but you know, I didn't, they didn't ask me uh, to design it. But it's just this little cube. It wirelessly connects to your router. Okay? So I'm going to get a little bit techy here is that because I think... Uh, I think that's all right, but it's just, first of all, Disney. Now, you may, whatever your feelings about Disney, Disney approached them when they were almost launching and said, hey, we want to be a part of this. And so as a startup, not a bad gig to have Disney jump on board, right? And so the purpose there, I mean, again, and I'm not a big fan of all of Disney's content. I think there's some things that they could do a better job on a lot of things, but... The whole idea here is that when something is blocked, they want to give alternative content. Okay, that is age appropriate, not just burnt, you got, you got filtered. So, uh, very easy to set up. You, it just connects when it, once it connects to your Wi-Fi. Okay, you're gonna have a list of all the devices connected to your network. Now that can be pretty overwhelming. I had no idea how many things we had connected uh, to our Wi-Fi until I first saw saw that. So in setting this up, here's my tip. What takes you the longest is identifying what's what. Okay, because you're going to take all those devices and you're going to assign them to a family member. So if you've got MacBooks and iPads and all that, everything has a Mac address. So my encouragement, take a notepad. And when you get this list of all the devices, that's what's going to take you the longest is identifying. Because some things, you, all you see is the MAC address. You don't see, oh, that's so-and-so's iPad or that's so-and-so's. It may not be named appropriately. So that's what's going to take you the longest. But once you've got all that done, now you see where those things are. And then I'm going to just kind of take you through our, this is screenshots from our uh, circle. So I've got four screenshots, and actually these are a little bit dated. I need to do some new ones because Circle has updated, and they've got this new feature of rewards. So, so basically, you can put a carrot out there for your children if they if they're following some of the in in house rules about this stuff, they get they get rewarded, uh, which is kind of cool. And even you can bring in uh, maybe if they have chores around the house, they may get more screen time. You know that that can be managed uh, through this uh, as well, giving them incentive. So this is our home. There's six of us. So my profile is atop. You see Melody's profile. Our oldest daughter, who, by the way, just left. I don't know if we, we should have pointed her out. She was here taking some pictures for us. Uh, our son, our youngest son, and our daughter, Keller. All right. So now notice here, uh, and this is all on my iPhone. Okay. I can control this right now from my iPhone pulling up the app. Now notice the pause button at the bottom. If I want to pause the internet for the entire family, all I've got to do is hit that button. There's a lot of power in that. <laughs> you know. so, you say that one more time. <laughs> so if you want to have a uh, device-free dinner, might be an easy way to do that is just pause the internet while dinner's going on. And just with, and just with And just with one button. Well, this is for everybody. You always jump ahead. So... <laughs> Now we're going to pull up my daughter, my youngest daughter, Keller. This is her, her um, uh, screen here. So now notice there's also a pause button here. I think it's now actually up at the top. But anyway, you get the idea. The pause button there, I can pause just her internet. 
Not the whole families, but if she's, let's say, you know, she stepped out of bounds, she's broken rules or whatever, and maybe part of the consequences may be losing internet. In the past, that's hard to manage, right? To say, well, you know, well, I don't, how am I going to track down how many devices and how am I going to monitor that? I'm busy, whatever. Well, now I can at least pause her internet. All right. Um, so now notice here insights. So when this particular thing was done, she'd been on the on the internet twenty minutes. She has two devices connected. She's filtered at the teen level. It comes with different filtering automatic things. If you want, to, she's a teenager, so at teen. But you can go in and customize that. Okay. But they have a blanket thing that they say, okay, for a teen, these would probably be appropriate, inappropriate. But you can go in and, and make that uh, different time limits. Um, you can actually turn that on or off, but that may be not just time limits for the internet, but what's cool about Circle, you can set time limits on Snapchat. You can set time limits on app-specific things as well. Um, and then also bedtime. If there's a lights out, no device bedtime, you can set that here. You see, we used to be teaching this, guys, and in concept, it's right. It's the right thing to teach. But practically doing this before circle, it's like how in the world as a parent do you make sure every night that they're not on their devices past 930? You know, it's like a constant, oh yeah, oh yeah. And so we spend all of our energy doing that. Well, now the technology makes that so much easier uh, to do. Now, let's go another screen over. If I clicked, this is basically, so from here, if I click here, this screen opens. If I click filter level to teen, now this comes up. So notice up at the top, I can set it to pre-K, kid, teen, adult, or no filtering. So those are the presets. So she's set to teen. Now, what does that mean? So now here's a platform. I can turn Amazon on or off. I can turn Facebook on or off. HBO, Instagram, Meerkat, Minecraft, Netflix, Periscope. I now, at the app level, I can make those available or not available based on their, their circle setup. And it looks different per child. So. Yeah, and then if I hit custom, custom filter, now I can go into categories. I can turn off the app store. Maybe you say, you know what, I don't want my kids being able to buy things through the app store, even accidentally. So I'm just going to turn that off. All right, uh, blogs. There may be there's a lot of blogs with good content, a lot of blogs with bad content. You may say, you know what, my kids aren't reading blogs anyway. Let's just turn that off. Um, business, creative arts, education, family games, uh, chats, forum. You can turn that off, okay? So all those things get filtered out. So it just gives you a lot of control as a parent um, to, um, to begin to monitor what's going on and really know what's going on with Insights as well. If I clicked on this Insights tab, and it brings up not just how much time cumulative they've been on, it shows me where they've been spending time. And if I click on it, maybe it was even a loud thing, and I see, well, you know, I don't know about that site. I can block it right there. All right. So the other piece of this is um, as they as they as you see those insights and you you see where they spend in time. Now this let me make sure before I forget that this is actually in your home network. Now if they click over to data, then none of this applies. All right. But that's when the next thing Circle Go comes in. So Circle Go is and actually. Circle, $99. One time. Very cost effective. There's not a family in here that can't make that investment for their home. So $99 one time. Uh, if you go to undoneredone.com forward slash circle, 
and you buy it there, we are an affiliate of Circle, and there's like I think like a fifteen dollar thing that comes back to our ministry. Uh, you can get this at Walmart and Best Buy as well. If you don't want to wait to order it, you want to go ahead and, and get one off the shelf. You can get it there as well. Um, so Circle Go is nine ninety nine a month. What Circle Go does, um, it takes all the settings for your Circle, and it makes it also applicable when they're on data. Now. Getting really techy here. This works on a VPN, a virtual private network. All right, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, there is a drawback to Circle Go, but it's not Circle's problem, it's Apple's problem. In the Apple um, settings, the iOS, um, you can go in and turn off VPN. If your child is, you know, yours are all pretty young. Yeah, I don't think we have to worry about. But that. if your child or somebody else knows how to turn, knows to turn off the VPN, then all the Circle Go settings no longer apply. We're hoping this is what we're petitioning Apple to do. If Apple would move that turn off VPN behind the password protection, like they do with browser, you can turn off the browser and you've got to know the password and turn it back on. That's what we're hoping. If they would just do that one small change then parents would have more, uh, more ability to really control this. Right well, now, it's not. And now that not. they're doing so much authentication with Apple and everything now, it makes, very, it makes a lot of sense to go in and, and do that as well. Yeah, so time limits, you can monitor. So a lot of the things that we know we need to do as parents for the longest time as it relates to technology, now you've got a very easy way to do that in a very cost-effective way as well. And, and one thing that we haven't really utilized a lot is that incentive piece. I mean, again, if, they're, if you've got chores at home and maybe you built, you start tying in some of their chores, they have a whole week, they, maybe they do their chores without being reminded, maybe they get an extra 30 minutes you know, on a specific app. You know, or a game that they like to play. And so now you can begin to, uh, to do some of that as a parent, as it's appropriate uh, for your home. So great, great resource, Circle Go and Circle. But again, you want more information, undoneredone.com uh, forward slash circle. But I would encourage you to listen to the interview we did with Jelani. He tells a story about how they got started. He tells a story about being approached by Disney. Now, we'll tell you, we did that interview before, like a month before Circle came out. So some of that may be a little bit dated um, at that point, but I don't think much of it is. Yeah. How did your kids react? They did not like it. Well, at first. let's just be honest. None of us liked it <laughs> when we were. I think we did it like right before. No, I guess we did it around February, and it was a it was adjustment for all of us. Um, we we had bedtime set for everybody. Um, yeah, that first night was like, wait, why can't I not? Oh, yeah, it's past my Yeah, past even my us, screen and so you can set bedtimes for yourself on when you want it to shut off, and so you can just... Oh, one thing I didn't time. say, so let's say your child, and probably not with your age group, but if your child has a laptop, an iPad, and a phone, that would be three devices assigned to their profile. Those t- screen times, if you set, let's say, a two-hour limit on Instagram. It's a cumulative. So because those three devices are all associated with their profile, it is tracking the cumulative total. They don't get two hours over here, and then they say, oh, I'll jump over now to my laptop and get two more hours. No, it's cumulative based on the the devices that are assigned to their profile. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it really, really helps, you know, or if, if they go, say, somewhere else and they're trying to get around those those parameters, it really does a good job. Now, we actually found out about this. Yes? 
on the iPad. That is yes. correct. That's the same thing. That would be like them being, if they're on another Wi-Fi network, and if they don't have Circle Go, then all the all those settings with Circle that you have at your home, that's based on your home network. Well, so, and what, what I would suggest, I mean, if we were like starting out with this, because we have not purchased Circle Go, because like I said, our kids are 17 and 23, and so we, we're just not doing that. But if we were younger parents... I would, I would have, I would have been implementing the um, circle and the circle go, and telling our kids because it bring it would bring me comfort in this day and age to know that my kids were in middle school and they were going to somebody else's houses with their device and they're they're on circle go, and so. Not only do I know that they're protected when they go over there, but some parents were like, well, what if they just, you know, take the self-service off? Well, I'm going to know that. Why? Because there's nothing being tracked. If they went to their friend's house and they were there for three hours and there's nothing shown, all of a sudden we've got this no time limits, no, I mean, there's, there's no data that I can see. Well, now I know that they've been on somebody else's Wi-Fi. So it would almost be this conversation of, you stay on circle and circle go when you're at home and when you're at the library because the library doesn't have a lot of those settings, when you're at friends' houses. And so I, there is that level of protection that I now feel as a parent that they've got wherever they go. Yeah, and that's kind of related to your question. So if they just switch over to, let's say, their friends' Wi-Fi. They wouldn't be allowed to do yeah. that. And sometimes that gets tricky because it may, if they're not on unlimited data, they want to jump on a Wi-Fi because it's not using their data. So that's, that's kind of a family you know, thing because even if you're on Circle Go, you know, they're using data if they're not on unlimited. Well, so. I think we're getting close to where all the cell carriers are about to have all unlimited data and things like that. So I don't think that's yeah. going to make a difference. Um, any other questions around? And as a parent, I love that people come to my house and I know that they're being controlled at this level. You know, I think Trey said that last night. Yeah, I'm glad anybody you said that. Anybody that comes into our house, like if somebody, if my son were to have his friends over right now, I would see Matt just join your network, Jeff just join your network. You know, and I'm like, ah, oh, because I know it's controlled at a certain level. I think ours is teen. Obviously, y'all's would probably be more like child or pre-k yeah let I me know ours is at the teen level so i know they're not going to get anything over that yeah that's i want to come back to this question one thing that i was going to show and i forgot to mention that she said that see the see the purple house there in the middle you can set your home's basic default filtering and we have our set to, to teen so anybody who comes over and gets on our home wi-fi which we encourage we know they're filtered right. you know at that at that basic level uh, as well you had a question That, yep, that's the whole shepherding the heart thing because we've had some, we've had some stories. I mean, you know, that's why we're really not teaching in this day and age that it's all about just lockdown. That's like when I'm walking with a woman who has been betrayed by her husband. I'm like, do you want to? And again, I'm not saying for a season you may want to have things on lockdown, but do you trust your husband or do you trust your network? You know, my goal is that she trusts her husband one day. Same thing with our kids. I mean, we've had parents that locked down everything, took everything away, and they found their neighbor's friend, I mean, they found their neighbor's phone and their 
friend down the street's password and they put a wireless thing underneath their bed. So, I mean, like, they can get around anything today if they want to. So we really want to shepherd the heart um, with our kids because I think Trey said this last last night that they can look amazing on the outside and we think everything's good to go. But I was even shocked when this middle school parent said that her the only reason why she knew is she was coming into her room at nighttime and she saw the little flickery lights underneath her bed. And that's how she knew she had pulled a, what do you call it, a wireless router out of the attic. And I'm like, oh. I didn't do that. I was like, really? <laughs> Jessica, you had a question? I'm sorry? Yes. Yes, Circle does. Anything connected to your Wi-Fi. So if you've got a smart TV, it's going to show up as a device. Now, you'll with the TV, you'll have to decide whose profile you know, to set that. Because you can only, I believe, only set a device to one profile. And that makes obvious sense because they can only monitor you know, one profile if people are using it different ways. So the TV may go to the basic default, you know, unless you, know, you wanted to set it to you know, one of the parents or whatever, but yes, any, any device. Yeah. So we're kind of telling on ourselves here. So when you, when you go to ours, it says 140 devices. Now I have no idea what all that is. That's probably everything from TV to old iPads. We don't even use anymore to cell phones, but that's also friends, friends and family who've come to our house and gotten on our Wi-Fi. We've been, we were speaking, um, this fall at um, Notre Dame, and we got we're in the airport, and we get a notification oh, yeah. that um, somebody had joined our you know our circle notified us that somebody had joined our home network. So we knew that uh, my daughter's friend was at our house, uh, which is okay, she was fine. But we just but we also knew because she had joined our network, and we're we're aware of that. So it just gives yeah, you a it lot does. of the 140 is like every person that has ever come in your Apple TV, your office phone, our fax. I mean everything. So once it's and you'll be amazed there, at how many things are connected to your home Wi-Fi. Yeah. What's been your experience with whether it's all Yeah, and so I think what you're asking, so you're going to be, you'll know, like, with their activity, like, when you, if you clicked on that 30 minutes, you could click on that and see what makes up that 30 minutes. Or if they, at the end of the day, if they've been on for three hours, you can actually monitor, I think that's what you're saying, so they've gone to these places. No, he's talking about, like, when you used to use Netgear, I think. Yeah, like, I don't want to say, like, Open DNS, kind of. Yeah, I mean, that's what I meant, yeah. Yeah, I think part of that because of the exposure, because sometimes once they've seen it, you know, it's, yeah, you may know about it, and there may be consequences, but again, all part of this is age appropriate because as they get older, you know, our whole thing is we, we filter because we want to protect, and even last night I talked about whitelisting. We may even want to put, but on the point that even if they misspell something, it's going to get blocked, you know, just to protect them. As they get older, though, and also build trust as well. As, you know, they're getting more and more trust. It's almost like now the leash is going out some, and, but knowing that mom and dad are monitoring. One thing I would say, as you give them, a, let's say, a cell phone, I, I trust that probably nobody here, their kid has a, 
a device yet. Maybe an iPad or whatever, but as far as a phone, right? Okay. So when you do that, whatever age that is, we encourage to say, no, just know this is our phone. You're going to be using it, but it's our phone. And I would go ahead and tell them that there are things on this that we're going to know how you're using this phone. And, and you've already hopefully had conversations about what's appropriate, what you're expecting, all of that. You've got your family uh, plan together. They're in line with that. And so now you're monitoring. And so as they're following the rules or whatever, maybe the trust goes out. But so I guess I certainly wouldn't want a five-year-old me to find out after the fact that they've, they've been on Pornhub for 30 minutes. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, even even a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, and knowing what all is out there and just the violent nature of that, you know, it really is not appropriate even for us as adults. And so I'd want to really, you know, kind of protect that. But I think having both so that, yes, because no filter is fail-safe. And kids are bright. And, and sometimes it's like, well, how can I get around this? Right, and so having just the understanding of what, ha- and then what is that conversation? Once, they- and, and here's the thing, guys, we because of what's happening with the stats I shared with you last night, our whole philosophy, it's not when, it's not if they're exposed, it's when they're exposed. I believe there's too much stuff out there to for you as a parent to have this idea that your kids are never going to be exposed to something inappropriate is is pretty much, it, it's it's not realistic. Right. And so part of this is having a proactive plan, not freaking out. Because if we have this expectation, they're never going to be exposed. And they do. It's like, wow, we feel like we felt. No, let's engage. You know, that's a teaching moment. That's, you know, let's grieve with them. Maybe if they they did see things that that were very, very, uh, very blatant and and very graphic or whatever. Now we need to, to, to grieve with them in that. Maybe help them process through some of that. But also to reset why God's way is best. You know, to have that conversation about the enemy and how he's out to destroy. And this is one of the ways he's doing that. He's taking this beautiful gift and he's perverting it. And I'm so sorry that you've have seen some of that, but you know but we're not undone by that because again they they've been able to come to us. So we want to validate that they've come. We want to pray with them. We're incredibly sad that they've done that. We go back to scripture and we talk about you know God's plan in all of this that we're recovering from the fall. And so again, so now they know because we are shifting the conversation from when they see porn, not if they see porn. Whether that is at a friend's house or a pop-up window, we have got to prepare ourselves and our kids that the enemy is hunting. There are good pictures and bad pictures. There's good stuff online. There's bad stuff online. However, if you find something like that, you come back, you come talk to us. And we've had many parents that after this seminar, like uh, I had a Hoover parent right before school let out um, last year, who's nine-year-old, that all the Hoover kids got Chromebooks like in third grade. And they had not had time to lock everything down. And so he found porn. Well, they had had a conversation. So this dad was sad, but it wasn't like they were undone. And the kid was also not undone because it was like my parents had had this conversation that I'm I'm more than likely going to see this at some point. So they were able to go in and lock things down and have a plan. But it wasn't like he got addicted to that, but he was prepared. And so I think that whole preparation thing helps calm a lot of fears. Um, And just yesterday, 
Um, and Trey said, we really believe that the truth is what sets us free. So if they are being deviant or if they are hiding, we have to trust as parents. We don't have to be the policemen and sniff it out and find it. It will find them. I had a lady yesterday afternoon I was on the phone with for about two hours that you know how she found out that her husband was doing pornography? Alexa. He was in the bathroom online and he was Bluetoothed into Alexa and she heard everything he was watching. And that's how it came out. So again, God, God, God wants us free and our, our sins will, will eventually come out. Again, we don't want the devastation fallout of that, but I can't tell you how many times the truth has come out and it has been very predictable, you know, as far as, as that process. So, yeah. Um, we want to make sure we have a little bit of time for some questions. Some of these we've been asked, but this is a great tool. We just found out about last year. We were doing this seminar at Shades Mountain Baptist, and a parent after our first session said, hey, have you heard about Bark? We had not heard about Bark, but we're so glad that they told us about it. Um, so Bark... Um, is they, their tagline is the internet watchdog. All right. Um, so respects parents' time and children's privacy, monitors kids' activity on connected accounts around the clock, sends an alert by email or text message if a potential issue is detected. So basically, here's how Bart would work with Circle. Now, this is probably for a little bit older kids, so you may not quite be at a place where Bark is needed because your children may not be using certain things. Probably middle school. Yeah, so let's say that with all the lockdowns and all the policies and everything that you guys do, this is the lane that your kids get to run in. Okay, they have maybe text messaging, they have a phone, you know, whatever they have access to. Maybe you say, okay, you can have Instagram. If your kids are whatever they're able to use, it's still very hard and can be daunting as a parent to monitor those things that they're allowed to do. Because it's not just, okay, we've locked everything else down and anything goes in these other places. You're still monitoring, hopefully, what's going on over text. Because there's a whole lot of horrible things that can just happen over text. So what BART does, it has an algorithm that is keyed in on certain keywords. So let's say if there is a bullying situation going on over text, you're going to be alerted by BART because of the keywords that it's picking up on. Let's say if there was suicidal conversation going on. If there was um, inappropriate you know, sexting going on, um, all those things, the keywords will alert you as a parent so that now not only do you have all this other stuff locked down, now whatever lane they can be allowed to go in, Bark kind of monitors that lane, if you will. And so it gives you another level of protection as a parent that, hey, I'm going to be diligent and monitor as best I can but you know what? If there's three days that go by, during that three days, some very damaging things could be happening. And how much better to know on the front end if your child is being bullied and being able to enter into that space with them instead of them having to feel all alone. That's what Bark does. That's how kind of it differentiates itself from Circle, but it works alongside things it's kind like, of like Circle. like an online babysitter, I guess, for lack of a better word, that looks for those really important key algorithms that might slip through the cracks of some other things. Yeah, well, it doesn't look for it. It is an algorithm that's, that's using the, the key keywords. Now, this is a, a site that I checked it this morning, and something was going on with it. We'll, we'll be looking at it later on today to make sure. But all the tools that we've talked about, 
when this page comes back up, if it's not already, all of those will be available to easily download uh, is there. Is the seven steps protecting your family, is that on undoneredone.com forward slash mysecurefamily? It is not. Okay. Um, the hiding app, court, mysecurefamily.com, the hiding app. Uh, again, that may be your kids probably not quite there where hiding apps are a real big concern uh, at this point, uh, hopefully anyway. If they're not using a device yet, they're probably not using uh, hiding apps. So, if you'll, but, yeah, if you'll leave your email address or if you want to give us your email address, we have this, um, what would you call it, Trey? The seven steps to protect your It's like your an kids. infographic. Yeah, it's like an infographic. We have that on the website from time to time. And it's just kind of these real practical steps, like getting a family plan. Um, we have like a technology agreement that we had our kids sign. Again, just putting things, measures in place so that our whole family knows that, you know, we've got a plan. We're trying to be intentional and, and make some things right. happen. So I'm going to send around a piece to. of paper. If y'all don't mind, if you want to be um, on, because of what's going on on the website, we usually have a place y'all can put in your email. But we are... If you want to be updated on when we launch the My Secure Family portal, you know, the other things that are going on, um, we have links to our Facebook, you know, get in that. Just put down your email address. Uh, I assure you we're not going to be spamming you with, you know, stuff. But if this is something that you, okay, I like what I'm hearing and I want to stay abreast, just give us your email address and uh, we'll be sure uh, to include you on that. So let's get into some questions. Yes. I know there's, um, while you're finding one, I know there was two that came in last night about spend the night. Yeah, yes. Go ahead. Well, that's so what they were. The idea about uh, the technology guideline, whatnot, intentional what you're doing with your family, could you maybe offer some comments about how to deal with that with other family members, say, grandparents, yes. who maybe have no clue about what you have just talked about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point because that's the thing, you know, babysitters, you know, wh- where our kids are going to stay, who's, um, so I think one, if, if let's say, first of all, family members, let's say grandparents, you know, I think it's, it's good to begin to educate them because especially if they're going to be in charge of your child or, you know, cause as our children get older, if they know, Hey, I'm going to be at grandma's house and it's, you know, the wild, wild west, anything goes, you know, then you know, we want to make sure that everybody's on the same page. And it may just be an opportunity to say, hey, we just went to this this seminar. Uh, we kind of knew it was bad, but we've got to now some practical tools of how to protect them. Mm-hmm. Bring them in from the standpoint of help us protect, you know, our children. There's a lot of dangers out there. And so then maybe the conversation turns, you know, mom, dad, if it's your grand, if it's their grandparents are going to, you know, do you have any filtering on your, your Wi-Fi network? Would you be able? Would you be open to maybe me making some suggestions, or even helping you setting that up, so that maybe now they would be very. Hey, I don't know how that goes, but now you can help them, and that gives you peace of mind. Hey, if they're staying at grandma or grandma Paul's house, then they're getting the same protection, and we're on the same page, you know, as it relates to protecting our children. That also then goes to okay, spend the nights. You know, one of the questions that came in is, doesn't it look kind of snooty is, you know, if we're saying to other parents, well, they can spend the night at our house, but he can't spend the night at your house. And that's a little bit awkward, right? But I would turn and that I'm to say, say, get over it. Yeah. And probably, and this is, this is where you guys are. And what's great about having young kids and a whole group of people with kind of younger kids is probably y'all are just beginning to do the spend the night thing beyond relatives. I would, I would assume that's probably just now beginning to come up. And so I would would suggest when considering if you're if say if your son or daughter has been asked to spend the night that one of the first things is just have a meeting with the parents 
You know, one, to know the parents. Uh, but then, and that can be kind of awkward, but kind of the same way with the grandparents. Just say, you know, listen, you know, we've, our eyes have been open to the dangers out there as it relates to, um, you know, digital safety. And that there's a lot of things coming at our, our families. You know, we want to be diligent. We would love for our child to be able to play with yours and to come over and enjoy a sleepover. Um, but... These are some things that we're concerned about, and I would just like to have a meeting with you, and let's just talk about what your digital safety plan for your home is like. Uh We don't have anything. Well, there may be an opportunity to say, well, our kid can't come. Well, okay, what if now you begin to say, well, hey, we'd still love for our child... Would you be would you be open open to us maybe sharing some of the things that we've educated ourselves on that have been very helpful for our home... That now, and so now not only what may start about a sleepover, by doing that, that being implemented at that home, you may have saved that child in the other home from being prematurely exposed to things. Well, and never, never, never realize that it's, there's not gospel opportunities there. There are so many. I mean, when our kids went, moved into public school, I mean, I was kind of of that mindset and I had to sit down with my kids because parents, you have to get over the fact that you're not going to feel like the bad guy or you are the bad guy. Um, we have used that so many times with our kids. Just blame it on us. You know, you could, you could blame our story. You know, whoever you're talking to, just use us as an example. We just finished a seminar whose um, the, you know, the couple got divorced because of this. Just make us your bad guys. And so you can use that as an example. But as, as I sat down with my kids, and because they were like, well, we can go play over their house, but we can't play over their house. Because a lot of the Westminster fam- families, I was pretty much like, okay, you can do this. And I just said, I don't know those parents. I need to get to know those parents. And once I get to know them and what their values are and you know, how they treat devices, then I will let you go over to those houses. And so I remember my, our daughter, who was in sixth grade, making, you know, going to this new school, trying to make friends. She ended up with the, this um, friend group of like 14. I was like, couldn't you have like three? And so there was like 14 girls. And so I have everybody come spend the night. And, um, and I told all the girls, maybe it was seventh grade, but I, I had all the girls when they came into the, when it was time for bed, I had them put their cell phones in a basket and I put it on that kitchen island. Well, you would have thought I had a third eye on my head. <laughs> and I mean, I had some moms that were like, why'd you take their phones? And I'm like, because I don't want them to be on their phones during the night. And, um, but then I had some moms say, thank you so much. We, we've been wanting to do this. We just didn't know that we could. (laughs) So again, I'm just telling you some things. And now we live in a day and age, you know, my daughter is a senior in high school. Like every girl has their phone with them at all times, or the parents are going to be mad at us. And so now it's really more about locking down the devices because if their parents want to get in touch with them in the middle of the night, those parents are going to be pretty unhappy with you if they don't get in touch with them in the middle of the night. So now it's more about locking down the devices, not taking everybody's phones up when we have to spend the night. So, but, it, but bottom line is a lot of dialogue can come out of this, you yeah, know, and, and healthy dialogue. It may be that you know grandparents or other friends, you know, say, you know what, we've been meaning to do that. We've heard there's some bad things. What do you and just recommend circle? You know how easy it is to set up and maybe even get to know them. Like Melody said, there's gospel opportunities there. They may not be in church anywhere. You know, there may be a lot of other fruit that comes out of that as well, just because, you know, the children wanted to have, you know, potentially a sleepover. Um, 
So, but I will say there's danger to sleepovers. All right, I can't tell you how many men in our community their first exposure or even being abused happened at a sleepover, at a friend's house, at a campout, those kind of things. Um, and that's where the secret started uh, for them. So we do have to be diligent. We can't just say, "Oh yeah, that'll be that'll be fine." Yeah. Yeah, I think um, basically the resource, I think if we had to start somewhere, it's just let's say a grandparent had circle in their house. You know, that would be, are you talking about training them like... I think maybe a good analogy like I did last night is maybe in that situation, you know, just if they're just kind of using the phone or device as a babysitter, you know, just to get, because they know the kids are going to like it, they're going to find a game or whatever, is um, just kind of use the lock your door at night because all of our parents, you know, they wouldn't think about going to bed without a locked door, securing the perimeter, all that stuff. Um, you know, just like, you know, when I was growing up, you know, we locked the door and we did that to keep, you know, us protected from anything evil outside. Well, today... There's this internet coming in. It's like a pipeline. And literally, mom, dad, whoever you're talking to, every evil known to man is just a few clicks away. We know we have a responsibility to protect them. So when you give them that device, and if it is connected to the, to the internet, then basically you're giving them an open door to some potentially very, very harmful uh, things. I know you, like us, want to protect them. And so will you work with us to make sure that we've got filters in place? Just like we would lock our door at night, you know, we want to make sure we're locking down uh, inappropriate things or potentially harmful things. And it's not just content. It's also, and then use, you know, kind of, they're predators that are very skilled at getting to kids. And they don't have to come through the unlocked front door. Right. They can now, in the digital age, make connections this way. We just want to make sure we're protecting our children. And so maybe that will get their attention so then they would see the need for a circle and, and just at least be mindful of, of what what is coming through that device. Well, one other thing, just to, to piggyback that, you know, I'm thinking of, well, there are lots of little devices for young kids. Like, I don't know, we use LeapFrog. I don't know if they have LeapFrog anymore. But I would almost encourage your parents to not let them use that that it's not it i mean let's let our kids learn to hang on to themselves without having to be entertained all the time and so maybe sending them with legos or maybe sending them with a leapfrog or you know something like that and just kind of make it i mean when they're young you can kind of make it off limits like i just really don't want you to do that and then it would also be an opportunity for you to ask your kids were were you on the devices at all that weekend and again we're having to step into hard places today and then you may have to go back to your parents and say, 
if this continues, they're not going to be able to come spend the night at your house. And you're not doing, being judgmental or anything, but we just know at this age where they could end up. And we just, we've heard too much and seen too much. Can you abide by this rule while they're at your house or they're not going to be able to be there anymore? And again, that's not ugly. It's not rude. Um, but just, you know, some of those measures are things, you know, I remember when, when our kids started spending the night out, we said, you know, you know, no movies over, you know, when they're teenagers, no movies over PG. So if it's PG 13 or rated R, I need you to call me and let's talk about it. You know, um, no computer time when you're at their house. Cause I don't know what their computers are, you know, again, now things have changed because they all have devices and stuff of like that, but just being able to have that. And my kids had to have many conversations calling me and saying, but everybody wants to watch this movie. And I said, well, do you want to make, make me the bad guy and just say, uh, you know, mom, my mom's going to come pick me up or we're going to have to choose another movie. I can't watch that. Those are good things, y'all. That's how we, how we, how we raise resilient children. They're not going to be able to do everything everybody else is doing. They're not going to be able to be where everybody else is. And so learning some of those skills of, I don't like this, I'm stepping into conflict and peer pressure and all that are places that are healthy for them to step into because they're going to have that the rest of their lives. And I'll, I will just say this. I like to be the fun parent. I didn't like having to be the bad guy all the time, but it was like, okay, put your big girl panties on and step into this, you know, place with your kids and just be the bad guy. So okay. question. So, uh, this, I think this conversation on grandparents and kids, uh, our son is presently manipulating the parents at this very moment. <laughs> 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 but if, if he doesn't have it, we, we, he doesn't have a device that we, we own, but they will do that. You know, let them play with their iPad, play Minecraft, whatever. But if, if we had a device for him, if we gave him a Kindle or an iPad, yeah. uh, can the, the device itself be locked? Yeah. Meaning, like, at the device level where he couldn't get past for the, the kid appropriate stuff, even if he got to the internet, if he got to there's can a that device be locked yeah, down? Yeah, device, no matter what network they're on, you're not dependent. Yes, there are some, I mean, d- different devices, different lockdown, and that's constantly changing. But I've, I believe iOS, you know, if it's talking about an Apple device, you can do a pretty good job with parental, con- it's got some pretty good parental controls, you know, on those. So that may be that, okay, you can do this, but here's your device, and then kind of just lock out what is not allowed. And then, Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, that that is something. If you this is what you have, it's kind of locked down. We know where the parameters are. Now you'd have to constantly check that. You know, the temptation is okay. That's a that because it could change, and you you have to constantly with updates or whatever. Then what was locked down no longer is. So you just have to keep it monitored. But but yeah, that's a that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Yes. No, uh, whitelisting basically. So if I went back to my circle thing in the filter, so when you go to custom filter, so when you think about filtering, usually you're trying to keep out bad things, right? What, what whitelisting does, instead of blacklisting, that would be, I'm going to blacklist all these bad sites. What the whitelisting is reversing that is, and what I'm recommending for young, young kids, is whitelist those things that are, that are approved. That means, so let's say if they did misspell Nickelodeon. I don't know if it's Nickelodeon.com, but I don't know if I'd spell Nickelodeon right, right? So much less a four or five-year-old. So 
if they don't spell it right, but Nickelodeon.com, exactly where the URL is spelled, that would be in your whitelist. So that means that and only that's going to be able to, to come up. If they misspell it in any way, it's going to be blocked. Uh, so just having a list of these are our approved sites. We've gone through them. We know there's no inappropriate content. So those we're going to whitelist. And it just gives you a little bit more understanding as a parent that if they try to deviate from any of these, they're not going to get anywhere. It's like this is the only, it's like you've narrowed the whole World Wide Web down to just these whitelisted sites. Yes, or really any filtering. You can do it with any filtering device. If you're using OpenDNS or whatever, any of them is going to, because filters are for blacklisting because it's going to filter out content, but it also lets you whitelist. Because maybe there's a catalog that, let's say, generally all catalog sites are off except this one we're approving so we can whitelist that one. Well, if it's on Circle, so you're basically saying if we're all using the same iPad, then yes, whatever you're whitelisting, it's going to be for any user because the iPad's not going to know who is and who. Now, Circle, though, if it's an iPad that is kind of their device or Kindle or whatever, then you can, on Circle, you can whitelist or blacklist or whatever. And then because it's, Circle is doing it based on that device. But yes, if you're shared, sharing a device, then if whatever you're protecting for the kids, that means you're not going to have access as well. Now, it may be uh, a workaround might be, uh, and I've done this a, a couple of times, uh, just sometimes when I'm doing research for this, I have to turn off the filtering for certain things just so I can get screenshots because otherwise Circle is filtering it out. When I was doing those anime shots, you know, that was filtered out, so I had to turn off. So that may be a workaround. So usually it's on lockdown, maybe set it to their protection, but maybe when I want to use it, I'm just turning off, you know, the filtering. And so that way, you know, that may be an easy workaround if you're using the same device that your that your child is. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's a good point. That parental, that's a parental control stuff that if it's a, if it meets or exceeds a, this rating or whatever, then you can't put that code in, you know, to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Anybody else? Yes. Well, that's what we're hoping MySecureFamily.com yeah. is going to be. It's yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what we're building. It'll hopefully be out in the spring, probably late spring. Uh, we've been working on it for a while because this is not all that we do as a ministry. We do a lot of recovery 
but we were able to get some resources at the end of the year, so now we've, we were able to do that. So that's our goal for that. And, and let me just tell you this as I talk about that. That community, as we envision it, is only going to be as good as the people in the community because it's, it's going to be kind of a, a user forum and, you know, the content that's user-generated as well. Because one of the things about us, our kids are older. Our youngest is about to be in college. And so it's going to be very hard for us to stay abreast on what's what's really facing an eight-year-old right now. What's that newest app? So we're going to be dependent on younger parents that are facing that real time to be able to write reviews and to be able to say, hey, this is what we come across. Has anybody else seen it? No, we haven't seen it, so let's write a review. And that's how we're going to keep it hopefully real time, you know, to be able... And then some things we'll say, you know what, it looks like this one's kids have kind of moved on, you know, from this particular app. But not just... Um, not just things that are are websites, but the apps are the real big thing right now. Is and those are coming online so so quickly that um, it's going to have to be a real time resource. Um, one of the goals we have for that is is app reviews. So that, you know, and there's some good ones. Common Sense Media is a great resource. Some of you may already use that. Um, there, What's the movie rating uh, thing that we go, maybe what a movie? Oh, Focused on the Family, uh, Plugged In. Plugged, plugged in, in, you know, is a good one for movie stuff. But that's kind of what we envision. As far as we've found, we haven't seen what we would really like to have. And that would be a place that you can go online and you can be confident when you get into the community that these are like-minded parents that are that are coming from a biblical worldview trying to protect uh, and instill a biblical worldview with kids that are faced with so many different things to draw them astray. Um, and we'll have some... Um, that if some of y'all want to volunteer for some of that, that's definitely something you can you can talk to us about. But we will have younger parents that are curating a lot of the dialogue and conversations, and actually looking for stuff online. Like yeah, and if you're a writer and you want to be a part of that, because <laughs> and that's kind of our thing is is doing it. We know there's a need for that, but we also know we could launch it. But then to keep it updated, yeah. it's going to have to be somebody that's kind of in the trenches. Ideally, probably a mother with young kids, and that's they're passionate about it. They're already pretty tech savvy, and and they really you know kind of feel like hey, this can become a real ministry, you know, yeah, because helping other parents. You know, and we are going to be collaborating with other organizations as well, like Covenant Eyes. We're going to have kind of an expert space in there so we can all be there so you don't have to ping all over the web to find it. Hopefully it'll all be in one spot. Absolutely. So yes. When you were talking about apps, it made me think of this. Like, when you, like for example, on my phone, I have a little like, coloring app. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think Circle will filter out ads within an app. Uh, now it can it can turn an app owner off. Um, not all apps, but a lot of the popular apps. But it's not going to be once an app is approved and you've got it, it's not going to like filter out. Now, with the exception, I will say YouTube. You can YouTube has a safe search setting. Circle can make YouTube go to the safe route. So that's a that's an example of where Circle is impacting, you know, the way an app is working. Because there's a lot of things on YouTube uh, that can get in trouble. There's also a setting um, 
you know, YouTube, where right? you watch a YouTube video and then there's they just constantly plays videos. We had one mother who was freaking out because in the morning, you know, one or her kid was you know went to bed watching YouTube videos, but she woke up and she started seeing all these other videos and she didn't really know. Did they actually watch those videos, or were those videos that actually just kept playing? But um, there's some settings where that that auto play feature, once one has played, does not continue because it can deliver up all kinds of stuff. But the safe search—that's probably the only exception I can think of. Where one YouTube is used readily, so they went ahead and and forced the safe search feature. That's one of the things in the settings you can force YouTube into safe. Safe mode, I think is what they call it. Uh, on Circle, I think you can do both, but Circle definitely dictates that as well. I think I think on the iOS, you may know a little bit more on the iOS if you can. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's right. All right. Well, guys, and here's the thing about any of this technology is. We can't get it locked down. Whew, okay, covered that. And then go on with our day. Go on with our year. Go on with our, you know, because every update, we've got to check it because it may, it may change. And that's the daunting task here. And there's really no way around that. It's not like we can check the box. Okay, I went to my secure family. My kids are now in lockdown. I spent a week kind of getting everything done. We're good. There's going to be new apps coming out, new things coming out, new things around Circle, new ways around things. So we've got to be diligent um, and not fearful, overwhelmed, but but shrewd. And, uh, I think Scripture, I think what's prudent here, what Scripture says, be innocent as a dove, but wise as a serpent. And I think that that is good advice as it relates to digital safety. And some of this is, you know, how I need to be wise as a serpent, but maybe not from a fear place. But I need to be diligent. You know, I can't just say, oh, anything goes. When God, you know, there's grace and God's good and, you know, all that. But we can't be that hypervigilant, oh, my gosh, you know, we're going to build a bunker for our kids and, and, and never let them out either. And so, and well, that's... With technology right now where it is, there is, it is easier than it was a couple yeah. years ago. There's more stuff coming out, but there it is easier. We didn't have a circle when our kids were in middle school. Yeah. You know, and so we it was constantly checking their phones and checking their history and again when we gave them phones, we said these aren't your phones and then we they had specific rules to abide by, but we, you know, there's constantly just checking their phones all the time. And we still do check their phones or I'll let them know that I'm going to their iPad so I can see all their texts that they have while they're on their phone. You know, and again, I think the more you can be forthright and share that with them and, and just expect that, well, you just don't trust me. Well, no, I do trust you, but the enemy is hunting. <laughs> well, and also sometimes, yeah, we trust you, but there's other people out there right. that we don't necessarily trust. There's a lot of, a lot of things that could be harmful, and we want, to, we want to come alongside you to help you so that you're not alone right. you know, fighting, fighting this. One of the things I know Melody has is on her iPad, if the kids with their, um, their iTunes login on her iOS, she has a separate login. She can log in as them, and it kind of brings up all their texts and stuff. That's another way. And they know that. They yeah, know they know that. that. I'm you not know, hiding mom, that. Mom at any time or dad can look at their texts and whatever. So they can text whatever, but know that there's a good chance that, that it's going to be monitored by one of us as well. And it is a layer of accountability for them to know that, that they're being watched a little bit. Yeah. And it's not been all the time, but there have been periods where... 
I'm needed to yeah. do that. Well, I know we're over time, so my apologies for that. And I know there may be some questions that we didn't get to. We will continue to yeah. answer uh, questions. But if you didn't put your email address down and want to be included, um, we are we're hoping to get this My Secure Family. There's such a need for it. Technology is constantly changing. There's some great uh, allies of us of, of uh, ours in this fight. Uh, some of them, Luke Gilkerson, Chris McKenna, who's currently with Covenant Eyes. He's got uh, his own organization as well. And um, we just want to be a resource for you as young parents that are they're striving to to protect your children. So if I could, I'd just like to pray uh, for each of you. And um, just thank you for your, your attentiveness and time to be here. And thank you again to this church for being willing to address uh, this very, very important topic. So let's pray. Father, we uh, commit our children to you, Father. We just bring our, our anxiety, uh, maybe fears that's bubbling up, Father. And we ask, Lord, that, God, in this area of digital safety and protecting the hearts of our children, God, that you would give us wisdom, that you would help us to be innocent as a dove, but also shrewd as a serpent. God, help us to ma- uh, manage our time, uh, Lord, in our busy schedules to make time uh, to make sure that we are monitoring Uh, what uh, technology is bringing uh, to our children, what they've been exposed to, to have healthy conversations with them. Give us discernment and and how to have age-appropriate conversations about sex and sexuality. And, And Father, I pray that you'd help us not to be overwhelmed and not to feel alone in this. And Lord, in that, Lord, help us to bring you into those moments. And just to be honest and, uh, and just cry out to you. Because, Lord, we know that you've given us these precious gifts. And we are longing to be good stewards as we shepherd their hearts. Um, we long for them to, uh, to grow into the young men and young women that you have created them to be. And that is our heart's desire. Uh, equip us as parents to do that. Lord, I thank you again for this church, for all that you're doing here in this part of Birmingham and using Red Mountain as a true beacon on a hill. Uh, God, just go with us now for the rest of our weekend. And uh, we ask that you would bring protection to our families in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, guys.